our sayings around here and part of our vision of the house is worship is our heart. Jesus is our message. And loving people is what we're going to do. So no matter who you are, where you come from, what's your background, you are loved in this place. But we'll always teach you that worship is the key to your breakthrough. Not just when you come in on Sunday. Oh, many a times I would, even last night, I began to feel the presence of the Lord as I was uh, studying for this message and preparation, what the body's dealing with and what our house is dealing with, our city, our community, our families. I began to feel the presence of the Lord in 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 my home. I'd go to the piano and I began to worship the Lord and the kids were sleeping, Brooke was asleep and I just begin to feel His presence. How many is glad you can feel the God that you serve? Come on, if, if, if you haven't ever felt Him like I'm talking about, then you might not realize what you're missing out on. But I want you to understand, we serve a God that is touched by the feelings of our infirmity. And what that means is, we, we can not only feel Him, but He feels what we feel. He cares about what we're going through. And in this place, I just want you to know that God's He loves you. The old song says, He is here, let's celebrate (laughs) the presence of the Lord. He is here, the Holy One, so let Him be adored. He is here, and to worship Him is such a sweet reward. See, Jesus is here. He's in our midst. <laughs> He's here. You believe that today? <laughs> oh, come on, lift your hands and say, I exalt church say I exalt thee come on make him bigger than your problems I exalt thee oh I exalt thee cause you are Lord stand with me all across this sanctuary Father, we look to you as author and finisher of our faith. Thank you for your presence that's in this house today. We're going to continue in this series. The book of Revelations where the, Jesus himself would have John, the apostle, pen to us letters. And he's been written to seven churches. But these seven churches are types and shadows, I believe, where Jesus is speaking to us and it's hitting us right where we're at in our communities, in our cities, in our culture. If you haven't been studying this passage with us, if you've missed the last couple services, everything's online on our YouTube channel, I encourage you to catch up with us. First service we dealt with the, the church of Ephesus, which is the church who fell out of love with God. Then we dealt with Smyrna, who went through persecution and tribulation for their faith. Last week we dealt with Pergamos which was a church that compromised the gospel. They straddled the fence. And today we're going to talk about another church that was kind of somewhat in the same leisure in that they would tolerate sin in the house. How many believes that if Jesus doesn't tolerate it, we shouldn't tolerate it? There's some things that we can learn about this church. If you'll turn with me to the book of um, Second or Revelations chapter 2, verse 18 will be our text today. We love you. I'm so glad that you're here Online church, we welcome you as well. Verse 18, Jesus speaking. Write this letter to the angel. Everybody say pastor. Yeah, we learned that. Interpretation of angel is pastor. Praise God, you got an angel in the house. He said, write this church to the angel or the pastor of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from, oh, I like this. The son of God. Jesus declared who he was. 
whose eyes are like flames of fire and whose feet are like polished bronze. I know all the things that you do. Check out the list of all the good things. He said, I've seen your love, your faith, your service, your patient endurance. And I can see your constant, I like that word constant, constant improvement in all these things. Look at verse 20. But I have this complaint, this one complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. Notice what she's doing. She's leading and she's teaching. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. Verse 21, he said, I have gave her time to repent. It's very important that you see that. Jesus said, I've been giving her time to repent. He's not necessarily talking about Jezebel in 1 Kings that we'll talk about when she came up on the scene. She's talking about, he's talking about the spirit in this church in the New Testament. He's talking about a spirit of Jezebel. And it was allowed to roam and go to and fro and teach even and influence by the pastor. So I'm going to be preaching on some pastors today. I'm preaching to myself. But he says, I've gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn from her immoral immorality. <clears throat> Verse 22, therefore... I will throw on her throw I will throw her on a bed of suffering. Those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. I will strike her children dead and then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person. That's that's worth underlining. And I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. Verse 24, but I also have a message to the rest of you. Everybody say the rest of the story. In Thyatira, who have not followed this false teaching. Okay. Deeper truths as they call them depths of Satan. Actually, I will ask nothing more of you. Except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. Verse 26, to all who are victorious, who obeyed me to the very end, to them I will give, watch, authority over all nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my Father, and I will also give them the morning star. That's Jesus himself. And last verse, verse 29. Anyone who hear, has ears to hear, let him listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying in the church's today. Today I want to speak to you from a subject simply hold on help is on the way. We'll pull that out of verse 25. I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. Look at your neighbor and say hold on help's on the way. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Feel his presence in this place. Well, we had Mr. Felipe and, and Sister Caitlin get married yesterday. We celebrate them. And uh, we're not going to bother them this morning. But would you just give Sister Kim a hand as she come and help us out on the piano? Did she do a good job? Amazing singer. I met her this morning. I found out she's my cousin. Praise God. <laughs> so I got family everywhere. Didn't know it. Uh, but... We're, if you're in this place and it's your first time to be with us here at Vessel United, I want you to know we're a church that believes the best in each other. And we know that God sees the best in us. So no matter what background you come from, I want you to know you're in the right place. And if you open your heart, I believe God's word will transform and change you and touch you right where you're at today. The Bible says that Thyatira was, a, uh, if you read some, some history, let me give you a little bit of history. Thyatira was a, a small town. It was barely even a city. It was really a small town. It was not, an amazing, it's not, not as amazing as the Ephesus city we talked about, the Pergamos city, the Smyrna city. Um, their architecture, their power, their wealth was just, Thyatira is just not on the same level. Thyatira was a position, it was positioned as at the far eastern side of Turkey, which was the border, which made up the Roman Empire's 
defense system, if you will. So it, this city was important because this is where their base would be set up to protect from enemies on outside their border. It was a, uh, Thyatira was like a blue-collar city, city, if you will. It had multiple trades. You would have metal trades, people who would work with metal. You would have um, uh, sewing trades, people who would work with linen and cloth. Uh, you would have uh, bricklayers and framers and carpenters and lots of trades that would come out of this particular city. So they had the ability to uh, create things and, and be productive. And though they didn't have as much power or wealth, their desire was to get more, do more, and to become more. How many things we ought to always be a people who are striving to become better? Okay, to do more, to have more. There's nothing wrong with being that way. There, there is a, uh, there's a lie the enemy has taught people. If you're going to be a Christian, one of two things. Either uh, you've got to chase money and have money uh, and, 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 and love money, which is out of balance. Or the other side, it says, well, you can't have money and you've got to be broke as a skunk if you're going to be a Christian. And that's a lie, too. It's out of balance. God wants his people to be blessed. Scripture teaches very quick, clearly that he's given us power to have wealth. How many likes a little wealth? The word wealth just means peace. How many could use some peace? Come on. If you ain't got nothing, you can't give nothing to help nobody. I like to have a little pie in the sky, if you will, so that I can give and I can help and I can be, make a difference. So God gives us creative abilities like he gave this church. The thing about Thyatira was they had a system. And in those days, it was called the guild. We would know it more. Uh, their work system would be, called, would be more like our unions. There's a lot of unions. I think there's some unions even here in this state. Texas don't really have a lot of unions. But uh, uh, in, in the northern states, I know it gets even more and more in different trades. But the tradition back in these days, the city of Thyatira, whatever union you were in, it was your responsibility to serve the God that they served. And the union determined who and what and when you would do what you do. Sounds a little bit like how unions work, right? And there was some control there. The union, the guilds of that day, they would have parties every week to serve and celebrate their God. You would make sacrifice to their gods. You would worship their gods. Uh, you would eat idled food, sacrificed to their gods. If you did not participate in this sacrificial uh, uh, moment, you stood the chance of being fired. You stood the chance of being ridiculed shunned and pushed aside. The unions controlled every move you made. When I begin to read this history, I begin to think about where we're at politically in the United States of America. And isn't it true that the enemy is still working on behalf to try to control the moves of God's children? Isn't it true that politically people want to shut you up and keep you down to a place where they can control you, manipulate you through fear, through lack of money, through lack of uh, uh, health benefits? If you don't do this, you're going to lose that. If, if you don't get this done, you're, gonna, you're not going to get that done. And, and, and the enemy has always tried to use fear tactics. Come on, I'm, I'm preaching to the right crowd in here. Satan has not changed his tactic. And I just want you to understand this. It's not going to get better anytime soon for the church of Thyatira they had to make a decision either they were going to choose to leave the union or they were going to deny their faith I want you to understand uh, there was this guy this little g god they served called Zeus and Zeus had this son named Apollo Apollo was a, was a main god there and they would call him the son of God and it's important that you realize how much influence these unions had. Because like the unions, Satan has come to do three things. The power, all the, the power in the world that he has to take us out is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lust of the lust, lust of the, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's very important that you recognize Satan has power. He has authority. God gave him the, this dominion even called him the prince of the power of the air. You need to understand you're more spiritual than you are fleshly. There's a spirit inside of you and there are spirits that rule and reign on this earth. It's interesting to me that Satan 
had so much power and authority that uh, not only after he was kicked out of heaven, uh, but he influenced a third of the angels to follow him. It's amazing in the perfection, in that perfect place of heaven, how Satan still had influence over some demons. I want you to understand, satanic spirits have influence in this world. And they've come to kill, steal, and destroy. They've come to entice you with the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. There's a spirit of toleration. There's a spirit that wants to get on us to, that, to tolerate, well, they're not bothering me, so I ain't going to say nothing. Well, <clears throat> they've killed 60 million babies thus far, plus, but I'm not going to say much about abortion because I don't want nobody to think I'm one of those. Come on. Sooner or later, what happens is when you don't stand up as the church, and I'm not going to get political with you. I'll never tell you who to vote. I will tell you you need to vote the Bible. If it's not in the Bible, somebody said, well, I can't find any of it. I understand it's, 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 it's kind of slim pickings on what we got to pick from, but you need to follow the gospel and the book. And if it's in the book, if they're murdering babies, you might not want to vote for that. If they're believing in homosexuality, a man marries a man and a woman marries a woman. Listen, God says it's an abomination. It's not right. It's wrong. And, and this pastor is not going to have blood on his hands because I, cho I chose to tolerate what people want me to say. The majority might want me not to stand up for righteousness and holiness, but I, there's a letter that's been written. There's a letter called the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, and it's been written to men and women who have been uh, commissioned to, to preach the truth. And the Bible says that the truth is the only thing that will set us free. You want to get free of addiction? You need the truth. You want to get free of anger and resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness? You need the truth. It is only the the truth that will set people free. Thyatira, the church, began to tolerate what the unions were saying because they didn't want to pay the price of losing their job, not having money to pay their bills. Listen to me. God has never failed his people, and he's not going to start by failing you. You're not that important. <laughs> God's not going to mess up his record by messing up on your circumstances when he's got everything else taken care of. I got news for you. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. But Jesus said, my word, this word is never going to fail. Whatever you send it out to do, it will accomplish that that it's been sent. What that means is sometimes you got to take your faith, not the pastor's faith, not your pastor's wife's faith, not your Sunday school teacher's faith. you got to take your faith open up your mouth and say no weapon formed against me is going to prosper declare if God be for me who can be against me somebody said you're getting a little too excited listen time's running out liberties are being stolen freedoms being completely shunned away with they're changing the freaking uh, can I say freaking in this church they're, they're changing they're changing they're changing our judiciary system, they're, they're, they're rewriting laws to fit their agenda. That's exactly what was happening in the church of Thyatira. Exactly. And all I'm telling you is we got to wake up. And we got to realize we cannot allow. Jesus in verse 18, he was very clear. He's like, listen, I want you to write this letter to the church. But I want you to put it in the hands of the pastor. Because it is the pastor's responsibility to guard the door, protect what's coming in, and watch what's going out. You've got to stand at, uh, stand your post. And if there's one thing I'd like to do online right now, speak to my pastors and tell you, Pastor, if you've started trying to please people more than please God, my God, grow up, get on your knees, confess, repent, and pray, and get a backbone for the kingdom, and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord no more, no more, no more. Not going to tolerate sin. I'm going to preach what the Bible teaches. And that's all I'm saying. It's, it's not about your denomination. It's not about your, your con listen, it's not my job to preach my convictions on you. Okay, that's not how we're going to build the church. It's my job to speak, speak truth and then watch. Every man works out his own salvation in fear and trembling. And what that means is you better know what you believe and you better hope you're right. So, I done lost half my crowd. Stay with me. 
<laughs> so we have this pol- political stuff going on. Jesus came to confront the tolerance through the story. And uh, in this letter, in verse 18, we see that he confronted the pastor. He made it real clear. He said, I'm the guy. First of all, I'm the son of the living God. I, I am the one true God. So he done away with Apollo. So the people could, uh, they were familiar with what he was saying. He said, I'm the son of God. And then he says, My, the, the one who has eyes of fire and feet that are shod with bronze. Bronze and historically teaches of judgment. So his, he is a God that's going to judge. It's also a, his, his symbolic of authority and power because he is all powerful. His eyes are consuming fire. And, and I see that as a place that where he sees everything at all times everywhere. You're not going to get around what he's because he's watching. Somebody say he's watching. And, and so he, he is just connecting. He's relating to the people so that they understand what this letter is all about. But then he deals with the real issue. In verse 20, he makes it real clear. I, uh, excuse me, verse 19, he says, I know all the things that you've been doing. You've been doing a great job. They've been, they were a great working church. They were serving. They went through growth track. Praise God. Come on, get in growth track. They got connected. Look, look at their qualities. It says that, he said, I know the things that you do. I've seen your love. My Lord, that's, that's a great, you got to have love. We talked about that. I see your faith. I've seen your service. You've served people. And I've seen your patient and endurance. In other words, you've walked through trial and tribulation and you're, you're continually to, to, to endure. You're pushing through the circumstances. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. In other words, you're doing better than you were when you started. How many thinks that's a great testimony for Jesus to say about you? I want to be better. You ought to have a desire when he looks at you, when he, when he does an account, when he does an inspection in your life, that he would say, hey, you ain't arrived yet, but you're doing a lot better than you were. What a desire we all should have. But then in verse uh, 20, Jesus says, I have this one complaint against you. He said, there's this spirit called Jezebel that's gotten in the church. And Jezebel, just to give you a little history, Jezebel came from 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Kings, where, who she married an Israelite king named Ahab. Everybody say Ahab. The Bible says Ahab was the, one of the most wicked kings ever to live and or be the king over the children of Israel. The children of Israel was God's people. But he chose to step out of his bloodline and he married this woman who uh, was a Sidonian, if you will. Her dad was a wicked idol-worshipping king. And uh, he influenced her, of course, raising up. And because Ahab disobeyed and married someone outside of the covenant... The bloodline, he allowed this Jezebel spirit, this Jezebel woman, to rule and reign. And eventually, because he was such a weak-kneed man, she, she overruled him. And he began to, they began to set up idols to worship. And one of the main gods that they would worship would be Baal. You remember that. And all throughout Scripture, ever since, we're going to call Israel the church, ever since Ahab let Jezebel get in the church, the church had chaos and problems from there on. And I believe we still deal with this same spirit. We see it now in the New Testament. There's a spirit that Jesus is confronting. And he's saying to the pastor. You've let this spirit come in. And she's been teaching. And declaring herself as a prophet. There's nothing wrong with a woman. I'm just going to declare this. According to scriptures. nothing, Absolutely nothing wrong with women prophets. Men prophets. Boy prophets. Girl prophets. One of the greatest gifts of the Holy Spirit. Is that we, know we can prophesy. Okay. But she was giving, her own, giving herself that title. She was empowering herself. She would not come under authority. I'm going to give you some characteristics about her here in just a minute. But number one, let me move forward. Verse 21, after confronting and, and declaring there's this spirit in the church, Jesus says, I have given her time to repent. There will always be time for you to repent. He will always give you opportunity. Today you have an opportunity. Just because you're in the church, repentance is not just for sinners, it's for saints. I told you that last week. And we must not see repentance as a bad thing. We must see it as a good thing. But number one, if we're going to hold on and not let go and realize help is on the way, we must recognize this if we're going to see change. There's a difference between acceptance 
and approval. I'm going to explain that. There's a difference between acceptance and approval. When Jesus said, I've given her time to repent. He said, I've accepted her. I've accepted her in the church. I've accepted her to use her gifts and her abilities, her talents. I've accepted this, this young lady. I don't believe her name was Jezebel. I believe he pointed out, I think he was calling out the spirit. I don't know who this young lady was. But he said, I, I, I've given her chance to repent. And, and it's important that we as a church, I want to always make sure that it's clear in this house. Jesus accepted this lady, and just like he accepted her, we will accept anybody in this house. But that doesn't mean we're going to approve of everybody in this house. You may have a lifestyle of sin. We're going to love you right where you're at, but we're not going to accept and love you uh, love the sin that you're in. We can love you in sin, but we don't have to love the sin you're in. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. Jesus accepted this lady. In Thyatira, the church, he did not approve of her sinful lifestyle. Now, here's, here's something I wrote down. My question is, if Jesus didn't approve of the sin and called it out, how much more should we not approve of sin and we should call it out? How, how do we do people a service by just covering it up? Sweeping it under the rug. If we know that our brothers, our sisters, our sons or daughters are living wrong. There's a way to do it. And all I'm telling you is you can accept it. You can love them right where you're at. But you do not have to be approval of it. You don't have to put your stamp of approval. You can tell the truth. Don't let tolerance. Because tolerance will, will do like the children, like, like the, the children of Thyatira. The church of Thyatira will just say... That's all right. Come on in the church. Here, we're going to give you a position. You're going to sing. You're going to play. You're going to prophesy. That's what was happening. They begin to put it in leadership. What that is, that's a stamp of approval saying the way you're living doesn't matter. Listen to me. Your choices and the people you hang out with and the places you go makes a difference. You either influence for good or you influence for bad. And um, I, I want to be clear. Just because you accept we as a house, as God's children, accept people where they're at, doesn't mean that we're going to tolerate and or approve of sin in this house. We're going to always confront it in love. And Scripture backs that up. The Bible says, uh, actually Paul talked about in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, work at living in peace with everyone. Then he says, work at living a holy life. Now stop right there, because what he's saying is, it's something you've got to do on a daily basis. Just because you get saved and you give your heart to the Lord and you've been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you're not going to fight this flesh called sin. You're going to have temptation. You're going to have you know, trials and tribulations. You're going to be swayed left or right. But you do not have to tolerate that sin. He says, so work at living holy. Check this out. For those who are not holy will not. Does your Bible say that? Will not see the Lord. Can you see God working in your life? Is He moving in your life on a daily basis? Could it be if you don't see God showing up in, in your life very often? Could it be that maybe you haven't been working holiness the way it should be worked? Now holiness is not a man wearing a backwards collar, holding a microphone saying, Thus saith the Lord. That's not holiness. It's not a woman with her hair in a bun, no makeup, and a dress down to her, her, her ankles and, and up to her neck. That's not holiness. I know tradition has taught that. I, I know religion has taught that. But let me set the record straight. Holiness, in its simplest definition, is to be set apart for specific use. There's one scripture in the New Testament that talks about how holiness is, is, is to be set apart for the master's use. Okay? You, you, you're holy. To walk in holiness is to be separated. To walk in holiness is to say, I can do that. Sometimes I want to do that, but I choose not to do it because I don't want to hurt the Father who loves me and who gave me all that He's given me. In other words, that ain't worth this. Tolerance. The church tolerated the sacrifice. The, the church 
was tolerating sexual sins and perversion and sleeping around and, and men with men and women with women and all kinds of all types of perversion throughout the church. And the Jezebel spirit was leading it. And it's very, very important that we recognize in our society, in our culture, nobody wants to hear about holiness. Nobody wants to hear about having standards anymore. This is a house for people who accepts everyone right where they are. Jesus took, but because Jesus took the tolerance of sin very seriously, we are going to take the tolerance of sin very seriously. We're going to call it out. We're going to speak to it. And we're going to help people come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. We're going to help people. We're not going to condemn people. That was the thing about Jesus. He was never condemning. He was always confronting, but never condemning. We cannot allow sin to hang out in our lives. And the church of Thyatira was in a position where they accepted it as normal because everybody else is doing it. You remember the woman who was thrown at Jesus' feet? who had gotten caught in the act of adultery. John chapter 8, verse 7, you can read it later. But the Bible says they, the religious folk found her. I don't know where the man was. He should have been thrown down too. But the religious folk, he was probably one of the religious guys, actually. He might have been the pastor because pastors love to cover things up. I'm just saying. <clears throat> and, 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 but they throw this woman at his feet and they say, Hey, this woman just was caught in the act of adultery, Jesus. What are you going to do? And see, the enemy's always trying to expose righteousness. The enemy's always trying to set you up to see what are you going to do when your back's against the wall and it's really time to put up or shut up. Are you going to be tolerant or are you going to be condemning? And Jesus, when, as she was at his feet, you know the story, she didn't say, he didn't say one thing. He actually knelt down and began to write in the sand. And I can only imagine he was probably writing the names of the men who were holding stones about to throw at this woman. I can only imagine he probably started writing their sins and what they were doing in secret places and behind closed doors. I, I don't know exactly what he was saying or what he was, what, what he was writing. All I know is Jesus said one thing. Hey guys, you without sin cast the first stone. The Bible says one by one those stones would be dropped. And as that woman was at Jesus' feet weeping, begging for mercy, Jesus lifted up her head and said, Hey woman, sweetie, where are your accusers? And she says, there's none. And he, he makes this statement. He says, now go, watch, and sin no more. He didn't say, now go back to where you came from. He said, go in the opposite direction. Choose to live holy. Learn from your mistake. Make the decision. You're going to resist the devil, and he's going to flee. If we never resist, we'll never see any change or transformation in our hearts and minds. Maybe you're struggling with some tolerance to sin. Listen, this is not a message to beat you up over the head. This is a message to look at a type and shadow of your life the church, a letter written from Jesus himself, and we can learn from how he dealt with things. It's time to repent. we got to make things right. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back for a bride without spot, no wrinkle. In verse 22, Jesus makes it like this. It says, is talking now to the church people. He dealt with the Spirit. And there were many who were influenced by that Spirit, and Jesus called it out. So if, if I... Um, brought Joey up here and I exposed Joey and said, now Joey, you've got this, this, this spirit been running rampant in the house and you've been doing this and doing that. He calls it out. He calls it Jezebel. But then he says, now there's many who's, been, who's tolerated and taken on the acts of this same spirit. Not just her, but there's people in the house. Can I tell you something? Everybody you're sitting by ain't got it figured out. And a lot of us got good mask on. And we look real churchy, smell good churchy, act good churchy, and we sound churchy. But churchy don't get you to heaven. Holiness gets you to heaven. Without holiness, no man shall. That's what it says. 
Jesus didn't condemn her. So number two, unless, verse 22 says, unless they repent and turn away from their evil deeds, he says, I'm going to condemn them. I'm going to wipe them out. That's what he was saying to the people. So number two, truth mixed with grace produces greater love. Now I want to explain that. Truth mixed with grace produces greater love. When Jesus was speaking to the adulterous woman, he spoke truth. He exposed she was in sin. But he also exposed those who were condemning her's sin. Truth. Ye without sin cast the first stone. If you've arrived, go ahead and throw that baby. Nobody could because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus was always about truth mixed with grace, which produced an even greater love. Many in the church were supposed to be believers, but they were tolerant of the Spirit instead of confronting it, and they began to join it. This is not how we treat sin. Even when someone is guilty, it's not our job. Watch this, I'm going to talk to you about condemnation. It's not our job to condemn people. Because Jesus never condemned. But he always corrected, then mixed it with hope. Okay? He, he called out the sin, but then he said, go and sin no more. The difference between correction and condemnation is correction brings hope. Condemnation has no hope. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, to, to the children of God. It says this, For whom the Lord loves, He chastens, and He scourges every son whom He receives. He loves you when He corrects you. <laughs> My Lord, I've been He does love me a lot. How many has ever corrected your son or daughter because they've done something really stupid, and after you corrected them, you didn't have nothing else to do with them? No. Why? Because you love them. Just because you corrected them didn't mean you didn't love them. You corrected them because you loved them so that because you didn't want them to become tolerant to that type of lifestyle and those types of choices. And what Jesus was teaching the, the Thyatira church was stop being tolerant. Start learning how to stand up for truth. It's going to be worth it. You've got to hold on. Hold on. Help's coming. Don't throw in the towel. Don't be tolerant. Don't stick your head in the sand and act like everything's okay. You, you can speak up for righteousness. You can speak up for holiness. When somebody's doing something, if they're killing babies, stand up for, for, for abortion. Be pro-life. If, if it's not right, if, if, it's a, if, if, it, if it's against convictions and the word of God, stand up for holy matrimony between one man and one woman. Do it. Do it in love. Truth mixed with grace produces greater love. We all, we are all called to love people where they are and give love where they need it the most. Truth mixed with grace is the greatest gift one can be given by the church. Somebody say, I'm the church. John 3.17 says it like this, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world and or judge the world, but that the world through Him, Him, through Him, not through your politics, not through your traditions, not through condemnation, but that the world through Him, Jesus, might be saved. Uh, last week I had to travel out of town and I had to take care of a court case with an old business situation. And I was settling, getting things resolved. And uh, it worked out perfectly and uh, was coming home victoriously. But I had a lot of time with my lawyer who actually was there in El Paso. And uh, in, in between our times, I began to share the gospel with him. And I began to share just truth. 75-year-old man, been Catholic his whole life, nothing against Catholics. I'm glad. I, was, I, was, I loved to hear that he had faith. And, uh, but something he didn't know, and many Catholics don't know, is that he had to, he had to come to a place of repentance. And he, he never heard, you must, Jesus said, you must be born again. I asked him this question. I said, uh, Rodney, I said, uh, uh, when you die, where are you going to spend eternity? And uh, he said, you know, I'm really not sure. I'm kind of hoping that the good man uh, upstairs just puts me right in the middle. He said, I, I don't know if I'm good enough to go to heaven, but I sure don't want to go to hell. And 
So I knew he has no idea. So I could have been tolerant and said, I don't want to offend nobody. I, I, don't, want, I, I, don't, want, I don't want him to think that I think I'm better than him. I, I don't want him to take me wrong and, and feel judge, that I'm judgmental. And, and I, I don't, you know, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Tolerance will always shut you up. Tolerance will make you take a back seat to truth. I'm here to tell you, we're not called to take a back seat to truth. We're called to stand for righteousness, holiness. He said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. You've you got to declare truth so people can be set free. And all I said was, Rodney, that's not how the Bible teaches. I said, the Bible says in Romans 10 and 9, you must confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again. I said, do you believe that? He said, yeah, I believe that. I said, do you believe that Jesus came as, uh, 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 through the Virgin Mary as the Son of the living God to die for sins? He said, yeah, I, I was taught that. I, I heard that. I said, okay. I said, guess what? According to Scripture, all you have to do is confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart. And the, my Bible says he'll write your name in the book of life and you can know you're on your way to heaven. Guess what he did? He gave his heart to Jesus, got saved, born again right there in the courtroom. Come on. I'm just telling you, you can't, don't ever allow tolerance. To culture. To shut you up. I don't care if you put a mask on me or not. I'm still going to speak the truth. Hey, these masks, maybe I, I think they're good. We're going we're gonna to follow the rules and we're going to protect people. But listen to me. Just because you have a, have a mask on doesn't mean you can't still love somebody. Doesn't mean you can't still sing a song and declare, This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. See, you, gotta, you still have a voice. You still got the ability to make a difference. I just spit on you. I'm sorry. Better put my mask back on. You have an opportunity. Don't tolerate sin. Get it out. Confront it. Deal with it. Rodney dealt with it, and he was born again. He said, well, what if I mess up again? He said, I'm probably going to mess up tomorrow. I said, that's the awesome thing about grace. Here's the truth. Where sin abound, bounds, grace doth much more. So if you mess up, repent, get back up, and start all over again. Whew, my God. Some of you need to know that. Some of you just got free. I didn't know I needed to repent. I thought I had to get saved. You ain't got to get saved again. Just repent. Start over. Don't be prideful. Don't have the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Or the lust of the flesh. Don't live in that. Get it. Expose it. Repent of it. And he'll create change in your life. Okay, I got to hurry. All right. I'm going to skip that. Last point. Number three. Let's get out of here. Jesus said in verse 25, as he's talked to the church. First of all, verse John, the book of 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You need to know that. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Now, in, chapter, in verse 25, Jesus said, For those of you who are in the house... And you haven't tolerated this spirit. You have went through ridicule. You've been rejected. You've lost your job. You've gone through pain. There's many of you in here who have been doing all the right things. And it seems like you're still getting wrong results. Jesus is talking to you in this story. And what he said was, just hold on a little bit, little bit longer. Don't let go. Hold on tightly. Just a little bit longer. There's going to come a day. There's going to come a reward. I'm going to give you, an, I'm going to give you a rod of iron. <laughs> and you're going to break up some things that used to be breaking you. There's a power and authority that's going to come on your life like you've never seen before. Number three, if I had something for you, I'd have you write this down. Obedience will bring power and authority. Watch, which creates change. Obedience will bring power and authority which creates change. There is a blessing that is coming to those who do not let go of his promises. Jesus knew there was still a remnant. I believe there's a remnant in this house. 
there was a people, there were sons and daughters who were prepared and willing to, to be the, uh, the uh, not the majority, but the minority. There, there's still a people in this place that still has a voice that will stand up for righteousness. And I believe that you in this place and you're watching online, that there's something inside of you that's stirring, that's saying, I'm for God I'll live, for God I'll die. David faced a giant. Daniel faced a lion. Moses faced a Red Sea. My question is, what are you facing that God wants to use to teach you how to surrender to Him. David, Daniel, Moses, and the list could go on. Their pain, their suffering, their struggle brought them to a place of realizing they couldn't do it on their own. Listen to me, sir. You can't do it on your own. You hear me? You can't do it on your own. You can't overcome on your own. Only through the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Only through what Jesus has done can you overcome. He's still the Son of God. He's never lost His power. If you want power and authority and you want change, watch, it starts with obedience. 1 John 5 and 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Listen. And this is the victory. You want to know where victory is? This is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith. It's your faith in the one who created you. I don't want anybody to be in this house or watching online and feel like, you know, I've tolerated this for so long. It's just become a way of life. No. Living with your girlfriend shouldn't be a way of life. It's fornication, and it's a sin. Sleeping around, it's a sin. Getting drunk, smoking dope and drugs and popping pills, it's a sin. It's polluting you, and you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to be. And all I'm telling you is you got to do an evaluation of your life. Ask yourself, am I tolerant of sin? Have I compromised some things just to appease my flesh, my desires? My girlfriend, my boyfriend, you're a teenager, you're watching, you're in this place. Listen, it's, it's not right to let someone stroke your body outside of marriage. It's not. Have more respect for yourself. Moms and dads, we got to teach our kids what's right and wrong. we got to start looking at their cell phones and seeing what they're looking at. Because, you know, God created something beautiful in marriage and Satan pollutes it by pornography. And My Lord, they, they try to entice you sexually watching the football game or watching a commercial eating a hamburger. You get, you're like, my God, i got to get out of here because it's a naked woman put, eating a hamburger or something. you you got to know when to resist. Come on, this is real stuff. Don't get quiet because I'm talking about it. Usually that's a good sign people are dealing with it. The fact of the matter is, it's in the church. I think it's over 70% of most pastors look at pornography at least once or twice a month. The way I protect myself is I, 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 put all, I take all the... There's no, I don't have no secret uh, combinations on my cell phone or my computers. My wife, could, she looks at everything. She has access to all my stuff. Men, take the, take the combinations off. You ain't got nothing to hide. You shouldn't. Women, stop deleting that text message from that man working, you're working with because you had lunch with him and you, you didn't want your husband to know. It's just business. It's tolerant. I'm telling you, if you have to hide it, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having lunch with another man for business. I'm saying you've you got to watch what you tolerate because that's how the enemy works. And it's the small foxes. Let's spoil the vine. I'm done. I love you. And all that matters to me is that you get this truth. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm going to leave you with this verse. Jesus said to all, this is for you, to all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, watch, to them, somebody say that's me, I will give authority over all nations all you have to do is obey don't be tolerant and Luke 10 19 says behold I give you authority 
to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So here's my question. If you're under the sound of my voice, every head bowed, every eye closed, you're online watching right now. You have a chance to repent, and nobody's going to condemn you. But let's get it right before you leave. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. But if you're in this place and you say, Pastor Darren, there's some things I've tolerated and I want to repent of it right now. Make it right. If that's you and you're in the house on the count of three, I want you to slip your hand up, put it right back down. One, two, three. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, God sees those hands. Good, good. All right. Now, there's people online. You've been tolerating some things. You've been struggling with some addictions. For some, it's, for, it's unforgiveness in your heart. You need to forgive somebody. For some, it's bitterness. It's anger. It's resentment. It's jealousy. For some, it's overeating. You're eating your, your, your emotions. Okay? It's, it's called the spirit of gluttony. And we're going to deal with it right now. Everybody stand to your feet. Every eye closed. No looking around. Let's not go to the bathroom or anything. Let's just stay reverent in this place. We're about to sing a song. We're going to worship one more time, but we're going to say this prayer. Everybody together, would you say this? Say, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I repent of my sin. For those of you who don't know Jesus, let's say this. Say, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross. <laughs> and I believe you rose again from this day forward. Say, I choose to live for you. I resist the devil and I run to you as my Savior and my Lord. Say, I'm saved, I'm forgiven, I'm cleansed, and I'm born again. Say, I have authority, I have power through the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Come on, give God praise right now. Hallelujah. Come on, rejoice. You're forgiven. Your lamb names in the Lamb's Book of Life. We love you online. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining me today. I trust and believe that God's Word has strengthened your faith. Why don't you visit me at DarrenFarmer.com and let's do life together on all social media platforms. And as always, your prayers and your financial giving is always welcome. God bless you.